0: Hey girl. Oh, God. Whoa. Hey girls. That's, up. That. That's right. Hey baby. Okay. You can't go out with them, you? <laughs> All right. I guess they're not interested, or some. That old guy's boring. Oh yeah. You guys are an easy crowd. You laugh at just about anything. I appreciate that. I'm wearing my Chacos today because I'm going in the river. Do you see there's like, I don't know, 15 or 16 people that are going to get baptized. That's awesome. We were, I was, when we were talking about it earlier in planning, I was like, you know, maybe we'll get two. You know, maybe we'll get two. That would be awesome. Two, three. Yeah, I would. I was looking down too far, so God really provided, uh, so it'll be pretty exciting. Y'all are, absolutely, everyone is welcome to come, rain or shine, doesn't matter what it's doing, the worse the weather, the more we'll remember it. Yeah, yeah, and there's several people doing the baptisms too, I I'm only doing two, so it's neat to have this discipleship process happening, you know, it's not, certainly, I'm just part of that process, but. 1130, thank you, yeah, so, after the service, if you want to run home and grab a raincoat and, or whatever, and you just go down to Riverland, turn right and turn right, and then you'll see the RV park sign. And uh, you can just, uh, if you need a shower or anything, there's some RVs there. You can just go in them. Afterwards, <laughs> they're all unlocked. Yeah, God <laughs> no, There is a place that for those who getting baptized to change and stuff. So. I was... Uh By the way, it's awesome to see so many people here, the the couple of rows of people from out of town. I hope that you feel blessed here and just a part of the body and that you see the the body of Christ operating here and and you take home a part of this place. Uh, Filled up, uh, retreat is one of our values and we want you to retreat here, but not just escape, but be fed and grow in your faith in Christ and take that where you go. So we're excited that you're here. You're a part of us even though you don't know us very well yet. Uh, many of you have ridden Strand Hill over here or walked it. Uh, it's super beautiful right now, by the way, or it was a week ago. I was. Some of you may resonate with what happened to me. I was, I was riding there one day, and I had gone by myself. It was just for a, a quick lunch, you know, shot out there and, and got up and was headed down. And I had just uh, changed bikes this summer. So This was a few weeks ago. And I was coming down the, the downhill, which has a couple of places that are, you know, a little bit tricky, nothing too hard, but you, you can get going pretty fast back in there. And I was trying to get used to the new frame. It has sort of a different geometry than, uh, he calls it my, uh, my dream sickle bike because it's, it's orange, uh, like a dream sickle and, uh, So when I got right down to the very bottom, uh, where it's just still got a few rocks to go over, and you guys remember where it connects to the canal trail there, if you know what I'm talking about. And I was flying down there, I was like, thinking to myself, man, I am doing great. (laughs) You may have some impression of where the foreshadowing is leading. (laughs) Some of us have been in this. And I, I think that to myself, like a couple times, man, I just launched over that. This is, I'm getting, I'm dialed into this. And so I get up and I'm on the last part of the canal trail, the the easiest, smoothest part. And I was thinking to myself again, man, I am getting the that. Just launch off the trail into the, and when you're doing that in the high grass over there, if you've done this like I have, then you're thinking, dude, I hope there are no rocks in this grass. And it's what's going through your head as you do the slow motion sort of, you know, I was uh, I was surprised by what happened to me and, and my expectations were different uh, than what actually occurred. And the reason I, I thought I'd, I'd tell you that today is because the passage that we're going to look at had that same effect on me as I studied for this week. Uh, it surprised me. We're going to act uh, chapter 11. So if you want to flip over there, we'll also put it up here in just a moment. But uh, we're in the... Uh, we're in a series now, we started a couple of weeks ago, uh, and we've creatively titled it Acts Part 2. Yeah. We went all out on our creativity, Acts Part 2, <laughs> and last fall we looked at Acts Part 1 and we just saw the beginnings of the church and how it, the Holy Spirit came and things changed and the, uh, the disciples began to go out and, and, and the church grew and they were sharing and loving each other and... This amazing things were happening. People were coming to Christ. Um, and we stopped about the point where the church starts to really spread out and Paul comes onto the scene. And that's, that's where we're going to pick it up. We uh, spent the last two weeks just looking at Matthew 28 where Jesus gives the, the disciples his last words and says, okay, it's time for you to, it's time for you to go and make disciples. And uh, so that, that's where we've been. Now we're jumping up to Acts 11 and picking up where we left off. And the situation right here, we're going to start in verse 19 in just a moment. But the uh, persecution is, is, hasn't re- near, nearly reached its peak by any means, but it's beginning. There's things happening, especially from the Jewish culture and the, through the Roman authority, the Jew, Jewish uh, hierarchy is persecuting the church. And, of course, we've had Paul. He's, he's just been converted recently, but uh, there's been this willingness to, to really uh, put pressure on Christians. They're at the sharp end of the stick right now. And so one of the things that's happening is there some are staying in Jerusalem, but a lot of them are moving out and they're particularly going north and you'll see this uh, as we read this morning, but Stephen has been murdered, and so that's the the catalyst that gets things to happen and Now as we read through this we're going to read nineteen through twenty six together as we read it, I want to encourage you to be thinking about how this uh, these Believers of the early church uh, brought the gospel, brought the truth into the community and the communities that they, that they went to. So think about that as we, as we read and we'll look at that more. So verse 19, now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, the Greeks, also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. And the report of this came to the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he came and he saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them, exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with a steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. And so Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch, and for a year they met together with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. So here's the main thing that I want you to hear. And, and, I, and It's this. The gospel is relevant in every community. The gospel is relevant in every community. Now, if you're a believer in here, and when I say that, you're like, okay, I knew that already. There's nothing new you're going to tell me about that. The gospel is relevant. We all, if we're believers, we have come to the point where we say, yes, we agree with that. The gospel is relevant. But I need to uh, flesh that out a little bit and maybe bring you to the point where I was, where it kind of threw me over the, the handlebars a little bit, if you will. Uh, one, one thing though, just before we, we walk into that is it, when I say the gospel is relevant, I, I want to make sure, I, I don't know where you are spiritually in this room, uh, all of you, but when we talk about the gospel. Uh, That's not something out there that's kind of, we don't know, know exactly what it is. What that is, is the truth that Jesus sacrificed himself so that we could have a restored relationship with God. We sang about that this morning. And he proved that he did it by a miraculous resurrection. And the only way that we enter into that relationship with God by the work that Jesus did is through faith. That, that's essentially what the gospel is. That information, which transforms lives, is relevant in every community. But what do I mean by relevant? Let's talk about that just for a second. So in every community, I don't, it doesn't matter how pluralistic, how selfish, how relativistic. I'm not talking about any particular communities. How sinful, how poorly governed, how full of war, how dark. The gospel matters there. The gospel matters there. And and let me, I want to kind of look at it from another perspective. And this is maybe where it came home to me a little bit. Uh, I tried to look at this as I walked through this passage from the point of the people of Antioch from the people who are being reached by these folks that are on this exodus, this dispersion of believers, uh, what did they see? Um, And I asked myself, uh, if in a town or a state or county or whatever, if the gospel, here's the thing, if the gospel is seen as irrelevant, What's the reason for that? If the gospel is seen by a town or a community, a neighborhood, a city, the a state or, or a national government as irrelevant, what's the reason? Is it the community's fault? Is it because the gospel is not capable? So where where is where is the reason that the gospel is not perceived as relevant to the community. See, we have this treasure that's the gospel. And in this passage, we can see that it became relevant to a place where it was irrelevant before. And so what I want to do is just walk through with us just three three things that show, uh, I, I think that, that we're seeing Lucas presenting to us as... The uh, what the relevant p- three, three parts that make a, a relevant make the, the yeah. <laughs> three things that make the gospel relevant in a community, and, and the first thing about that is that there is a community that needs the gospel, you always have to have the community for the gospel to go into. Another one is that there are messengers that bring the gospel message. And then, thirdly, there's the Spirit of God that's working to draw people to Himself. And all those th- three things are necessary for this to happen. And I just want to walk through that, reveal that to you as the passage does. If you look at verse 19, we're we'll talking about the community just for a moment. Uh, Acts 11, verse 19. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking to no one but Jews. So just for a moment, let's just look at a little quick history lesson, this idea of this migration that happens. They're they're going out of Jerusalem. And all of you, if you watch the news at all, you probably have this area of the world engraved in your memory from CNN. You probably know exactly what this place looks like. You have Jerusalem and Israel, and if you just go up the if you go up the coast and then a little bit to the west, you have where Phoenicia would have been. So they're headed up that way. And then Cyprus, we all know from geography, is just off the coast. Up here, it's about 100 miles off the coast uh, of, in the Mediterranean there and, and on the way up. And then if you just go a little bit higher and you just get inside Turkey, then you get to the city of Antioch. And Antioch is not there anymore. At least in, its, in the ancient Roman city is gone. But that's where they're going. I, I actually... Uh, uh, look to see it. It's about a 25-day uh, hike, if you hike 15 miles a day. Just, you know, if you're a walker and you're measuring that in this, so about it's a 450 miles or so to get there. So it's kind of a haul with all your stuff. With sandals on. No Nikes back then. No Gore-Tex. Uh, but the social situation is important to recognize. And, I, and I, I tried to allude to this a little bit when I was talking about a culture that is uh, pluralistic and materialistic and, well, religious, but certainly not Christian. And that's what's happening. It's very diverse a very large. There's hundreds of thousands of people there. It's one of the major cities. It's the second city to Rome at the time. So this is the Roman Empire. This is a big place. This is important. Things are really happening here. It's a big place of commerce. But one of the, there's a satirist of the time who said that the, the filth and the trash of Antioch flows into its river and actually makes its way all the way to Rome, which is not anywhere near. So he's saying that there's a lot of rotten stuff going on in Antioch and it actually ends up impacting Rome. If you can imagine Rome being impacted negatively. So I'm not sure that this is the greatest place to raise a kid. Right? It doesn't sound like it sounds like a challenging place to raise a kid. Does that sound familiar to any of you who live here? Uh, in any of the communities that you come from it is challenging anywhere the influences the things that are about it's just the, the, the world is a difficult place to walk with Christ at any age and this was one of those places and in some ways because of the corruption and the wickedness of the town it makes me surprised that the Christians decided to go there you know Christians kind of have a tendency sometimes to hide out don't we Maybe that's not you, but uh, we, we tend to protect ourselves a little bit. And, uh, but they go into this city, and here's the thing about Antioch. It, it actually became the, what was called the cradle of Christianity because from there, Christianity spread. So this place that was so dark and so, uh, had, had no interest and, and no knowledge of Christianity changed to a place where Christianity was flourishing and moving out across the world and has changed our lives even today. So there's this great contrast between what it was and what it became. And the difference was that these believers moved into that community. And so I think this is a little bit about where we get to the how. So you have this, when you're talking about a a community where the gospel is, a place where the gospel is relative, you have the community and you have the messengers. And so maybe if you would think how, how this fits with your life just a little bit. Um, and this is, this, this is the way that I, that I looked at it. I, I thought, well, okay, how, again, did the people of Antioch see these messengers? What were they doing that one people to, to Christ? There were, you, if you notice in the passage, there's two places that it says many people were coming to Christ. Two sentences in there. Look at verse 20. We'll get a couple of tips from here about the messengers. But there were some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, on who coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned. And that news came to Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas. And when he came and he saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them to remain faithful with steadfast purpose. So one of the things that these first believers did was they ignored the cultural barriers that had stood. Because as you know, and you can see even today, and even with us, uh, groups tend to stay together. Socioeconomic groups stay together, religious groups stay together. It's how it works. And back then, it especially worked that way. It was an ethnocentric society, religio-ethnocentric. So everyone, because of their religion and their national heritage, stuck together. And they were right to do it. There was no thought of anything other than that. And here come these Christians and there's no barrier. It's totally different than anything they've seen. And in that way, it began to speak to this community. And you can see how in even our little communities today, wherever we come from, what that can mean. When there aren't the barriers of race and ideology and everything, but believers are willing to go into any environment. That's what these people were doing. They were saying, we're going to go We're going to go to the Hellens. We're going to go to the Greeks and these other people who are not inside of our safe bubble. They were typically, as as you probably remember, they were going to talk only to the Jews. But these people broke the mold. These Christians said, you know what? Jesus said to go to all nations, and that's where we're going to go. So they ignored these barriers. But here's another thing about them, and and it's right there at the beginning. They were multi-ethnic themselves. It says, men from Cyprus and Cyrene. So in Antioch, when these people came, they would have recognized the culture, the dress, the the vocabulary, the style of this person from from, uh, Cyprus coming across. They would know, this guy is from Cyprus. It was a a multinational culture. They knew where these people were coming from. But also, the guy from Cyrene, that means Africa. Okay, That's a place in Africa. So this is a dark-skinned guy coming up and interacting, and this was not something that would typically happen. So not only are they reaching out to the different nationalities and ethnic groups in there, but also they're made up of different people. Now that is, you know, let's be honest, that's fairly challenging here. Look around. However, we are from all different parts of this country and all different kinds of communities, surrounded all over the place. We may not be different colors around here, but we are definitely... uh, uh, all of the other differences are there. If it's not color, it's the, all, everything else, right? A couple other things. I, I found it really interesting to kind of zoom back and say, what do these Antioch people, Antioch, Antioch scenes, I think they were called seeing. One thing that they saw in these Christians is that they had been exiled, lost their homes, scared to live where they were, but they were still faithful to Jesus. You have to think about that for a second. This crowd comes up here. They've been exiled. They've been kicked out. They've been persecuted. And the persecution is probably going to make its way wherever they go. Now, that's not a real winning combination, a way to get me to be excited about following something, right? When I hear, hey, you know, follow Christ, we did. And guess what happened? It stunk. (laughs) But they still were effective. Do Do you see what I'm saying? There's something about them is uh, the faithfulness of them to to Jesus was so powerful that it drew people despite the scenario that they were in. Another thing is that they were clearly connected to God. You saw the hand of God was active. These these people weren't just acting on their own. These are just normal people and God is using them. Just like us. Normal folks. Nothing special. I mean, I'm not saying you're not special. Your mom knows you're special. (laughs) Okay? But, God had gifted them and they went into this community and uh, he is using them. We'll we'll talk more about that in just a moment. Uh, And honestly, I have to say, when I look at, at Crested Butte and I see all these people getting baptized, I think God's hand may be at work here. You know, I mean, all these kids, their friends know what's happening. As an adult, you can get baptized and be a little bit anonymous, but not here and, uh, you know, who knows what that's going to mean, what God's doing. He's doing something. Uh, and it has to do with the gospel and changing lives, at least. So, uh, one, one other thing. Uh, this, is a, this is a community that's encouraging because you notice they sent, when Jerusalem heard about it, they sent Barnabas, right? And Barnabas, his name alone means uh, son of encouragement. And when he gets there, Did you notice what it says? It says he he came and saw the grace of God and he was glad. In verse 23, uh, the grace of God, he he was glad and he exhorted them all. And I think this is is really important uh, to the church in general and to our church today. Uh, When Barnabas went into that community... He, he looked. He could have seen different things. He could have, he could have said, "Oh my gosh, you guys are persecuted. This is terrible. You're under the Roman government. This is terrible. You, you know, this. All these things are bad that are happening." But what he saw was the grace of God at work. And uh, the, to be quite honest with believers in here, the research shows that one of the reasons that the next generation is turned off to Christianity and the generation above is because it's so negative. Oh, everything's bad. Everything's awful. And gosh, I hope Jesus comes back so he can save us from what our government's doing and what that government's doing. That's earth-first thinking. These, these These people had a kingdom first. Yes, it was bad. They knew that. Yes, it was hard. Yes, there was real persecution. There was real corruption and real wickedness. But... Barnabas, the leader from the church, came up and encouraged them. And that was the message going out into the community. That's a different message. That's what needs to come out from this church. Let me just be, this town, when we're talking about our place, cannot hear a message of you're bad and everything's wrong. No, look what God is doing. Look at this beautiful place he's calling out to us in this creation. Isn't it incredible? That, that's the mindset of these people. That's what changed Antioch to the cradle of Christianity, right? Part of it. So, uh, you know, to risk being on a soapbox, it's very important, friends and believers, that um, we don't get so focused on what's not good about things that we can't see like Barnabas did. And then deliver that message of hope and grace and goodness and see what God is doing. It has got to be a part of the DNA of the believer in our whole world, in our culture, especially here. So uh, you you have the messengers, you have the the community where the gospel is relevant. And finally, uh, you have the Spirit of God at work. And I love how he he weaves that in. Uh, Look at verse 21. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord the hand of the lord and that's something that if you read if you've ever read the old testament the hebrew scripture it talks about the arm of the lord doing this and holding up this and the hand of the lord that means he's there that means he's working he's doing things well what's what's interesting about the way god works is sometimes he he works faster and sometimes he works a little more slowly and we've all seen that we've experienced that you know from a macro looking perspective from a large scale you see uh, people going, for instance, into China for years and years and years and decades and decades and hundreds of years and nothing happening. God wasn't seeming, appearing to be doing things. But China now has one of the fastest growing Bible-believing churches in the world. Not just one of them. The, the church as a whole is growing. People are coming to know Christ in China, which is, you know, as if, if you're over 30 or 40, you know, that's unthinkable. Right. South Korea is one of the uh, per capita greatest uh, senders of missionaries in the world. That, that's fairly new. God is doing things that he didn't do all the time. There's a process that sometimes his, when the hand of the Lord is at work, it doesn't look like we want it to look. We're still faithful to these things that the messengers did. Do you see what I mean? But... Uh, There's another, there's a micro sort of scale, an individual scale, because God is not only about nations, but he's about individuals. And I know all of us have a story like this, but uh, I'll just share one briefly with you. A friend of mine, his name's Tim, and he may be listening to this. Uh, I don't know. I may have shared about him before, but we used to ride together all the time. We rode together and raced together on the road so much. uh, I spent hours with him every week. And I finally got to the point after a few years where I told Claire, as far as spiritual things go with Tim, I'm done. He is, there's no way God is going to move this guy. He is so far over there. He is so cold. He is so messed up. There's no way. And I just told her, I'm, I'm just frustrated with this. I'm done. Maybe two months later, he called me and said, hey, do you have a marriage class at your church? I want to come. So he started coming with his fiance. They got married. And now he goes to church and is, is trying to follow Christ. And I had, just, I had written him off, but God's hand was at work. So on a large scale, sometimes the timing is different. On a small scale, then maybe we would prefer. But it doesn't change our view. We look for what God is doing. So the, the hand of God is at work there. And I believe the hand of God is at work here. And he's at work everywhere. The gospel is always relevant wherever you are. It will always prevail in the end, but it may be dark for a while. So three things: is you got community, you got the messengers, you got the hand of God at work, uh, and I and I hope you thought about your town, wherever that is, and whatever that society looks like, and how the gospel might become relevant there. All the obstacles that might be in the way; those are no big deal to God. Uh, I wonder uh, what what if in your town or in our town. Where it looks like, and we've always thought, there's no way that God could do an amazing thing and make Crested Butte a hub that the gospel go, not only is it alive in but goes out from. I mean, he's gonna the gospel is gonna go out with you guys that are gonna leave this week. But what if even beyond that, that people were being discipled, becoming believers, and then taking the gospel out? And so, you know, they write history about uh, there was mining and there was sports, and there was, well, you know, the resort community, when you look at the history of this, these valleys. And what if one of the next chapters, they, they just had to put in that the gospel made a difference? What if that was part of the story, you know, in a few years or 50 years or whatever? Wouldn't that be incredible? I think, I think it's totally possible. It's, it certainly didn't look possible with Antioch, but, but it was, Right? So uh, I'm going to pray and pray that that's who we are and what happens in our communities wherever we go, and then uh, hang out for a few minutes, get a little more coffee, and and then grab your. Well, look at the sun, people. Here it comes. It's, yeah, <laughs> I'll I'll pray rapidly. Thank you. Okay. Oh, yeah. maybe we'll move quickly over there. Father, thank you for uh, just a chance to be with these uh, friends and we're we'll other people in here from all different. Uh, perspectives and po- points in life. Things are happening in the hearts of people in this room, Lord, both joyful and sorrowful, and you are absolutely in charge. In the end, your goodness will prevail. Uh, God, we want to engage with that. We want to be a part of that and follow you. We've got to know your peace and your hope. Got to pray for those kids that are downstairs, for the people who are getting uh, baptized, that they, uh, both, that um, as they are all stepping out into this dangerous, uh, truly uh, oppressive in many ways community, God, that the hope of your son lives in them and, and carries each one. And Lord, we just uh, we celebrate with, with you today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, have a great week. We'll see hopefully many of you down there soon. How close is it? Oh. Where are we? Is it going up or is it? I tried to get the loop to see, but my phone won't do it. It's going up. It is. I'm good. you. Your mic. I've been reading from Matt Blake. From Blake and the boys and Chris. Okay. Good to meet you. Well, when now? Uh, Chris this week I'm probably being recorded